Hey moms, was your dinner last night the leftover chicken nuggets from your kid's tray? Is your definition of self-care getting to close the door when you pee? If the only chance that you get for exercise are the squats that you do to pick up your kid's Legos, well then take a seat, mama. You're in the right place. I'm Corinne Crosley, psychotherapist, self-care enthusiast, and seriously imperfect mom of two kiddos. This is Mama Bites. Mamas, thank you again for joining me on the Mama Bites podcast. How are you doing out there, moms? It's such an interesting time. I am recording this uh, intro, continued in the midst of the uh, the quarantine. Um, but maybe you're listening to this at a different time. Maybe you're just home with your baby or finding a moment after drop off, after school drop off. I'm looking forward to. Uh, school drop-off <laughs> happening again, um, just for that sense of normalcy and connection. I'm so glad to have you and and here for this episode. This episode is um, such a wonderful interview that I was able to get with um, such a, a fabulous person. This is Anna Guest Jelly creator of Curvy Yoga. If you have not experienced Curvy Yoga or gotten to know Anna yet, you can find her uh, at curvyyoga.com or on most social media platforms, the big ones, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all by just looking up Curvy Yoga. And she is, is so lovely and so wonderful. And, you know, I'll also say if you are if you are feeling uh, a little scared to dip your foot into the yoga pond, into the yoga pool, um, Curvy Yoga is such a great place to be and to start. But also if you are a seasoned practitioner and are just looking for something um, brilliant and wonderful, I also recommend uh, visiting her site. Her site is gorgeous <laughs> and um, can really speak to every need. You don't have to comb through it to figure out um, where to find what you're looking for. It's just so beautifully appointed. Um, I'm so grateful, especially for this uh, this interview. While it is part of the postpartum series that um, came about from writing my um, self-care for new moms book, which is due out on August 4th still. Um, I do believe, again, like so many of these interviews, that really this is applicable and wonderful, even if you are not in the postpartum time. I, I'm especially grateful for this interview during this time, again, that I'm recording this interview, um, excuse me, this uh, intro, because uh, a lot of what we talk about is Anna's practice and the experience of practicing yoga and dealing with change. Now, namely, we're talking about body changes and body acceptance, um, but we are all sort of riding this wave of change right now. Um, and and I believe anybody who's who's finding the podcast, whether you're in quarantine or not, you are you are probably riding a wave of change, right? Motherhood is a continuous <laughs> wave of change. And so I really feel like 
Anna's wisdom um, is so helpful in thinking about that. And especially thinking about what we forget so often is how affected our body image can become in the midst of change. And we forget that. Instead, we just sort of get frustrated with our bodies or panic when our bodies are changing or we um, perceive them as changing even though uh, it might be our experience of anxiety around change. So this seems to be yoga week because I actually will also be interviewed um, for the Where I Met podcast hosted by uh, Lauren D'Angelo. Lauren is uh, one of my fabulous yoga teachers and she's asked me to speak about intuitive eating and body image during the COVID crisis. And um, so if you are interested in sort of where those two things might intersect and you, uh, you want to hear more of me, so um, you can find that on Spotify and many other platforms. That's where I Matt, M-A-T. Um, and it's, it's a great podcast. I really like it. Um, one last thing. I know I keep saying it. It bears repeating. If you are in the midst of struggle right now and you do not feel like you have the support that you need, please reach out uh, to a therapist if you do not have one. If you have one, please reach out to your therapist. But if you do not have one, please reach out to a therapist. Uh, if you're struggling with finding good resources, feel free to reach out to me uh, either through my website, corinnecrosley.com or through the Mama Bites website. Uh, as you already know, Mama is spelled M-O-M-M-A. And I will be happy to connect you with some helpful resources. For all those of you who are having a tough day and are making this part of your self-care, I am with you, Mama. Thank you for being here. And I hope this episode with Anna Guest Jelly brings you a little more comfort and care. Take care. So thank you, Anna, for being on the Mama Bites podcast. This is a very exciting moment for me to get to talk with you. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, wonderful. So um, I have a million questions for that. I'm going to try to limit it to (laughs) under 20. (laughs) But I guess uh, I think just sort of like jumping off from one of the most obvious points is, um, can you tell us about your journey to yoga and, and your journey with yoga or just start us in that direction as the creator of Curvy Yoga? Yeah, looking back, it's so funny to me that I ever found yoga because it was not on my radar in any way mm. before it just kind of fell into my lap. Mm. So when I was in high school, my junior year, I had a year where I had chronic migraines. Mm. So I had a migraine every single day. Oh. And I did, you know, all the Western medicine stuff. I did a ton of tests. I took a bunch of medication. Nothing really ever helped. Mm. And this was in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. And there was not, definitely not where I grew up in Indiana, was there much information on alternative health or yoga, Mm. at least not in any circles that I was in. Sure. Um, But I did learn a little something about biofeedback. Like I heard that it was a thing. Sure. 
So when I went to college, I was really like, what else can I do for these migraines? Because they had abated, but not by much. I still had a couple migraines a week at least. Um, So I started looking into biofeedback, and that led me to meditation, and that led me to yoga. So I was someone who... Like, I can't overstate how not sporty I was. <laughs> I did softball once. I got hit by the ball. Uh-huh. I never went back. Uh-huh. I've heard so, this story. <laughs> yeah. And my parents didn't, like, exercise or do any sort of forms of movement. I mean, they were always doing stuff around at our house, but nothing that would be yoga-like in mm-hmm. any way. So... When I decided to give it a try, there were no in-person classes where I lived at the time. I was in college in rural Tennessee, mm. and I got a Rodney E. VHS tape, which Rodney? I feel like a lot of people have started with Rodney E. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the gateway drug. <laughs> totally. Yeah, so many people. Um, and I did that tape when my roommate was in class because I was not wanting anyone to see me do it Uh and I expected not to like it because I had done things like um aerobics Mm. and other things like that with my mom a little bit when Mm. I was a kid Mm -hmm. but that was it so I was like I'm just gonna try this I don't like it and a lot of it did not work for my body because I don't know if anyone's seen me or Rodney Yee, but we are not the same in any way. <laughs> Much shorter ponytail. But there was just something about that, especially the Shavasana at the end, mm. but also the attention to the body, like what is happening in your mm-hmm. body in this pose mm-hmm. that really hooked me and started my journey. Mm. So cool. Wow. And then you were off and running. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, I kept doing, um, I, you know, I got more videos and I think midway-ish through my college experience, there was a class that started at a local community center mm. and the teacher was probably at least in her 70s oh, and yeah. she literally had blue hair like i'm sure somebody's oh. been practicing yoga since like the, some of the earlier days sure. in the u.s yeah and all of the students were at least in their 60s except for me i was in my early 20s uh-huh. and we didn't have yoga mats we just practiced on those like thick gym mats oh my you know god yes about? oh yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> um but what was so great about it is once i got over feeling kind of awkward about being the youngest person there mm-hmm. um I think because it was an older group there was a lot of just like do what you want there was no competition mm. everybody was you know kind of having a good time mm. and that was a great introduction for me because I think if my first in-person class had been what a lot of people's are right which is yeah. a more um, intensive physically or competitive mm-hmm. or whatever kind of environment mm-hmm. that that would have probably put me off of mm, it. Sure. So by the time I found myself in a class like that, I had several years under my belt of establishing a connection with yoga. So it wasn't enough to make me stop at that point. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. That's very cool. I love, I love how that like coming 
it's so amazing that they like you came to it at a time in a space like in a time in your life and in a time sort of in the the yoga trend in the country that right. you were able to um be in this this different sort of space and um you know i i yeah i'm sort of struggling to put it into words it, it's it just sounds very cool and and kind of promoted now what um what things like curvy yoga are needed for which is sort of like a, a much more open space a much more um dialed in and all bodies are good bodies space right, right. That, yeah. that yoga culture in this country unfortunately i feel like has co-opted <clears throat> a very different stance unfortunately in some ways mm-hmm. <clears throat> So can you tell us, um, you know, I feel like you're leading us really well into how yoga has helped you connect to your experience in your body and also of your body. And those are actually kind of two separate questions, right? Because it sounds like you had a really particular experience of yoga and its connection, for example, with your migraines and sort of like right. your experience inside your body. But then there's the piece with body acceptance and all bodies mm-hmm. being good bodies. So yeah, jump, jump wherever you like there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, they're so related for me in a lot of ways mm. because what I haven't talked about yet is that when I was growing up from a very young age, probably five or six or earlier, uh, my pediatrician was telling my mom that I was too far too high, whatever the phrasing would be on the growth chart, mm-hmm. and that I should lose weight. Mm. And my mom, like many people, had her own lifetime of mm-hmm. dieting and mm-hmm. food issues, mm-hmm. as does you know pretty much every woman in my family. Mm-hmm. So she was kind of like all too ripe for that yeah. conversation with the pediatrician, mm. and that just started me down a path of being on tons of different diets Mm -hmm. from I think I started I went to Weight Watchers so I had done some probably more like calorie restriction stuff before a quote-unquote official diet Mm -hmm. and I started that when I was around 10 at Weight Watchers Mm -hmm. and that continued until my late 20s when I was just like hold on a second yeah I tallied up I tallied up that I had been on 65 different diets oh my god 65 Anna oh by 20 oh no your poor little body and I was just like when I saw that number it was such a stark moment that I'm sure I'll never forget Mm. because I just realized you know I was always kind of browsing the diet section at the bookstore mm-hmm. um, by then you know a lot of that information was available online too mm-hmm. and it just hit me so clearly that if 65 diets had not quote-unquote worked <laughs> then the answer was not going to lie in the 66 no I really felt like I need a whole different approach to my body yeah so because I had done all these diets of course, as I'm sure you well know, mm-hmm. I had no connection to my body. No, yeah. <laughs> I had outsourced everything about, like, what's hunger? I, I literally had no idea how yeah. to feel hunger when I got onto, 
uh, body acceptance and intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. So all of that was just from a piece of paper that would say, you know, here's when you eat, here's yeah. when you exercise, yeah, etc. Yeah. So yoga really, you know, for a while, a while, for years, really, it wasn't something that happened overnight. Of course. Yoga teachers would say things like, oh, notice what's happening in your back or in mm-hmm. your breath or mm-hmm. in your, you know, big toe, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was always just like, that's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) These hippies. Yeah, I was like, they only talk in metaphor. (laughs) And it wasn't until years later that I was like, wait a minute. Mm. I'm feeling like people have been feeling this the whole time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Mm -hmm. all metaphor. It just took me that long to get to start to dial it in. Sure, of course. Or believe, you know, just. Right. Yeah, even no, honestly, yeah. it was something that was possible. Yeah, absolutely. Or so that those signals, the yeah. In and of come together for me because mm. they started to dovetail. Mm. Where the more that I could feel in my body, the mm. more I felt like I was developing a relationship and a conversation, which mm. contributed to how I felt oh, about wow. my body. And really, they fed each other back and forth. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't like one led directly to the other, but not the other way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a beautiful description of recovery that it's mm. a conversation, yeah. you know, that's, um, I'm, I'm going to steal that tomorrow when I'm working with clients. <laughs> yeah. It's everything. Yeah. Wow. That's so, um, that's so powerful. Um, and and I love also sort of what you're saying about that because it was so far out of your your purview, out of your experience, that that you really were just thinking that people were sort of like talking in metaphors and riddles and rather than like, no, actually you can feel things in your big toe. <laughs> there's right. there's information yeah. in there, right? Wow, yeah. But diet culture does I, not do that. Yeah, yeah, something I feel like I'm always still developing Mm, you know mm -hmm. there's new levels and layers of sensation Mm -hmm. available to me over time it's Mm -hmm. funny now that I've been doing curvy yoga for almost 10 years people assume that body acceptance comes easily to me like Mm -hmm. in general Mm -hmm. and now Mm -hmm. and I'm like it's still a process Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not like I just snapped my fingers and now I accept my body Mm -hmm. and the end Mm -hmm. right (laughs) finish line over I mean that's how I thought it would be at first yeah (laughs) yeah 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 absolutely I'm so glad you're saying that because um something that I really uh, talk about with my clients quite a bit. And I love, and and I am so grateful as a clinician, as a person walking around, especially in a female body (laughs) uh, or identifying as female, um, that I am so grateful toward the body acceptance and body positive movement. However, I do feel like there are still some people who experience that idea that sort of like almost that diet culturally, you know, diet culture e idea of if I just do these things, I no longer have to worry about my relationship to my body. I'm I'm just going to accept it and then <laughs> and then we're on to the right. next. Whereas again, 100%. you know, to steal your your language from before that 
that it kind of is an ongoing conversation and it is, it's always work. It's always a work in progress. It feels like. Yeah. That's actually one of the things that I love about yoga as a tool for body acceptance. Mm. Um, because yoga gives us the framework of practice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I really talk about this a lot and deeply believe it in my own life mm-hmm. that body acceptance is the same thing. It's mm-hmm. also a lifelong practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because people come to yoga with that diet mentality too. Of course, why wouldn't they? Right. You know, especially how conflated it is with fitness culture. For sure. Um, yeah. In the US, which is, you know, I'm going to do yoga and then I'm going to be flexible or de-stressed or mm-hmm. I'm going to lose weight, you know, mm-hmm. all the different things that people bring to it mm-hmm. when really it's something that can be like we were talking about earlier, a conversation, mm-hmm. a tool, mm-hmm. a place to check in. I really think about my yoga practice over the long term, something mm-hmm. that I'm going to be doing the rest of my life in various ways. Mm-hmm. And so when I take that perspective, it really takes the pressure off the moment Mm -hmm. whether or not I'm doing a particular pose honestly whether or not I'm practicing at all on that day or week or whatever because I'm just like this is something I'm going to be doing the rest of my life Mm -hmm. so yeah sometimes it's going to be more physically intense sometimes less Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll be doing it more sometimes less and it doesn't have to mean anything during the ebbs and flows I just know that it's going to ebb and flow and it has seasons. And I think the same thing is true for me for my relationship with my body where Mm. it's not like I never, ever have a negative thought about my body again. Mm -hmm. Of course I do. I had those thoughts drilled into me for 30 years. You you exist in the society. All the time. (laughs) Right, right, right. But I can see how different my relationship to my body is now. Mm -hmm. And I know when that stuff pops up, For me, it's kind of like a red flag or an invitation to pause Mm -hmm. where I can be like, huh, I wonder why I'm feeling like I should throw all my clothes out and burn them. Or I'm wondering why I'm, you know, being really negative on my body. And usually it's something else entirely. I'm stressed about something or anxious or, and I have a habit of displacing that onto my body. Mm -hmm. But now I can see that. And that makes a huge difference. Such a difference. Such a difference. It to me, what the way you're talking about both of those, um, it makes me think about, um, and and I'm not super steeped in sort of the the ancient wisdom, but when I hear yoga teachers who I really respect talk about ego and how, mm. you know, like it just starts if you'll excuse the <laughs> excuse the uh colorful language just talking shit you know and (laughs) and it's so unhelpful and can we be curious rather than just listening to what the ego has to say just to sort of be curious about like how it's coming up or you know what it's doing to the practice versus like going down the rabbit hole of like I'm supposed to be doing this inversion right now or I'm supposed to be doing a really active flow even though that's like not what my body is asking for at all mm-hmm. um, and it just the way you were talking about it was so reminding me of like how that voice either way is what it's saying isn't helpful but the fact that it's showing up can be a helpful flag either way in, in yeah. both of those situations so that yeah, is yeah that's a really good way to put it yeah I like to I like to think of ego a lot because 
it shows up. <laughs> I mean, for other people, not for me, whatever. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very terrible for them. <laughs> so you can you tell us a little bit more about, and I feel like you're, you've sort of touched on this a little bit, but um, the origins of Curvy Yoga and how, it, and, and how it's sort of grown and changed and now, and now it's like you have a teacher training with it. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. grown. Yeah, I'm I'm more surprised than anyone. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Again, it's teaching you yeah. stuff again. So I got into some of those yoga classes we were talking about earlier where mm-hmm. they were much more fitness-based. It's not like the teacher was actively encouraging competition, but, you know, the vibe was there. Sure. And the teacher would say things like, okay, in this forward bend, bring your belly to your thighs. Mm-hmm. Well, listeners, I don't need to move to bring my belly to my thighs. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Sitting down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. right there already. So while I was practicing in these classes, I always felt like, because why wouldn't I? I had this whole diet history. Uh-huh. Oh, these instructions must mean that I'll like really get it once I lose weight because of course I was still on diet so to me it didn't actually feel weird at first Mm -hmm. that I was hearing that stuff because Mm -hmm. it was just part of my framework Mm -hmm. which is everything is geared towards thinness because it's the best thing sure well over time I had that moment that we talked about where I was like I cannot do a 66 diet and I found a therapist I started learning about intuitive eating Mm. and as that process was going on it occurred to me very similarly that my problem again quote unquote I'm using a lot of air quotes that's helpful (laughs) (laughs) just tell Um, us yeah (laughs) that my body hadn't been the problem in yoga it was just Mm. that teachers didn't like they had not learned how Mm. to teach bodies like mine yes So I had been, or I was in graduate school at the time. I was teaching English. I knew that I loved teaching Mm -hmm. and I was interested in teacher training. Mm -hmm. But at the time, there were very few yoga teacher trainings available. Mm -hmm. You know, now Mm -hmm. I feel like it's relatively easy. For sure. Where you live and whatever. Yeah, yes, yeah. You know, you can find one. Mm -hmm. But this took a, it was a couple, few years, I don't know, until one came to where I was and I could do it. So I did a teacher training with very little intention to teach really every step of the way. I felt like I should quit. I didn't know if I belonged, even though my teachers were very supportive. That Mm -hmm. was just all, you know, kind of in my head. And so were my fellow students. Mm -hmm. But by the time I finished, I was like, gosh, I really want to teach a class for people with bodies like mine. Mm -hmm. Because even though this training had included a lot of different pose modifications and props and things. Mm -hmm. There was nothing about curvy bodies. I was kind of piecemealing that information together on my Mm -hmm. own. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, I'm going to start this. I'm going to teach a local class. I had a full-time job at the time. I had no intention of doing yoga (laughs) full-time or starting a business or anything. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm just going to start doing it and Shortly, I'm kind of concurrently, actually, I started a blog, honestly, just because I thought it was fun and my job was stressful and it was a fun, creative outlet for me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I cannot be 
the only bigger body person who wants this information. No. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I started the blog. I started teaching locally and very quickly, um, mostly through the blog, I found a lot of people who were looking for the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they had been in their own communities and it was this good time where, um, on the internet, you know, people were finding each other through blogs and commenting and connecting. So teachers had certainly been doing things similar to Curvy Yoga before I started, but they were mostly in their local communities. Mm -hmm. And so this was one of the first that was starting that conversation online. Mm. And so how it grew is that people would say, oh, I really have been looking for pose information about this pose. Where is your book? Or could you make a video? (laughs) And I was just like, who? Like, what? Are you asking me? (laughs) I was like, isn't there someone better or more qualified or something? But I felt like, well, gosh, if people want this information and I have it, I can figure it out, then I should share it because I wanted it too. And I totally get where they're coming from. Sure. So it was really this um, kind of reciprocal situation and conversation with the community that eventually led Curvy Yoga into down the road, becoming a business, and then eventually becoming what I do full time. But mm-hmm. never was this, I didn't have a vision board, but it wouldn't have been on it because <laughs> it was not even something that I, it's not like I thought, oh, maybe I'll teach yoga full time. No, that's a bad idea. Yeah. It was yeah. not even on my radar yeah. in any way whatsoever. <laughs> oh my goodness. So this is sort of, I feel like it seems like the, the sort of like uh lesson you keep learning, huh? Yeah. <laughs> You're so right. Yes. I learn a lot of lessons multiple times. <laughs> oh boy. Do we all for sure. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow so cool so can you tell us a little about like what to you is central to to a teacher training like what are you really wanting your teachers to take away and and to sort of send them out into the world with yeah you know you mentioned this earlier the idea of curiosity Mm. and that is huge to me and what I hope teachers take away from Mm -hmm. our training Mm -hmm. because I believe in my bones that any person can do yoga Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of making the pose work for them Mm -hmm. so what I'm really hoping that teachers will take away from our training is a lens of curiosity and experimentation and being in relationship with their students Mm -hmm. so it's not that they have to know exactly how the pose is going to work for every single person Mm. right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. They can, through our training, hopefully learn, you know, a variety of different options that they could try with this person. Mm. But sometimes things aren't working exactly Mm -hmm. right for that person. You have to tweak it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so instead of feeling like, oh, somebody walked in, you're in the headlights, I don't know how to support them. You know, I think that happens a lot because I think most yoga teachers are well-intentioned. They mean it when they say, oh, our classes are for everyone. Mm-hmm. Everybody is welcome. Mm-hmm. But having that intention in your heart is not the same or enough as having skills to actually back that up and make yeah. it feasible for people. Yeah, for sure. I mm-hmm. think a lot of times 
teachers get scared if they haven't learned how to teach curvy bodies. Mm -hmm. And so they don't want to offend the person. They're not sure what to say. So they just kind of ignore the person essentially or don't help them Mm. or, you know, make them feel in some way that they're not included, Mm -hmm. don't have options for them, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So curvy yoga is not like rocket science, but (laughs) it is just shifting your perspective a little bit and making the class available for many people. And what I hear a lot, especially from our people, our students who are doing continuing education with us, so who did their foundational teacher training somewhere else, Mm -hmm. is that they are surprised by how the options that we're teaching for curvy bodies apply to so many other bodies. Of course. And I'm like, exactly, right? (laughs) You never know who it's going to support. Sure. Wow, that is, uh, that's so cool. I love I love that because, um, you know, just just thinking about this idea um, of not having to be the expert, that right. you don't have to be the expert on everybody's body because, one, there's absolutely no way you could do that, right? Like, it does not <laughs> matter how, I mean, literally, if you are studied in, you know, like years of experience of anatomy mm-hmm. you cannot possibly know every person's body and everybody every person's experience of their body is different right oh my gosh right um and so this idea that that you're really imparting on your um your students um and the teachers you're sending out as like you don't have to know here are some ideas but and you you didn't say it this way but sort of the way i heard it was you know, it's okay to be humble and to be a student of your students and to be curious yeah. alongside with them. Like, okay, let's, let's prop it up. Let's see, you know, let's see what, what happens. And, and you tell me what's happening in your body and how it feels. And, and we'll, we'll collaborate if, if this is what we're looking for in terms of whether it's sensation or experience or whatever, and what pressure yeah. that would take off as a teacher. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, we talked earlier about sensation and that's another big thing I'm hoping our students of yoga and then our teacher trainers, teacher trainees Mm -hmm. uh, will take away is, you know, what's their own experience Mm -hmm. and how is yoga inviting them into that? And it's much more, you know, a million times more about that than getting into any particular pose or shape right because for me as a yoga teacher I just as long as people are safe so that's my caveat Mm -hmm. I just really don't care what their pose is or what it looks like right and in the space people's poses all look different Mm -hmm. and that makes me feel really good Mm -hmm. I don't want to look out and see everybody looking exactly the same because it doesn't make sense their bodies are not the same so why would their poses for sure right right and even if they, even if they all even, you know, looked the same, which no, bo- no, every single body looks the same. Right. But like right. where people are tight and just th- their anatomy of sort of genetics and et cetera, just, or, or who sits all day and who runs around all, you know, just everybody's so yeah. different how, or even just, you know, like this person, you know, is an, is an overnight nurse. And so she comes in and it's her morning, whereas somebody else has been 
up and moving all day by the time they come into class and you know like everybody's in a different space and so yeah I, I love what you're saying actually um we uh interviewed uh, probably a couple months ago Rachel Estapa um oh, nice. from uh-huh. More to Love Yoga she's um she's great is she in and and sort of I feel like uh the northeast <laughs> it's like right. we yeah. have these awesome uh-huh. bookends <laughs> you guys on either <laughs> side um and that's exactly um one of the things that she said is that uh one of her favorite things is to look out um uh, at her students and everybody's doing it a little bit differently and to her that she knows like okay we're doing something right here <laughs> if everybody's yeah. doing it their way so I love that um that the two awesome yoga heart bookends of the country are sort of like <laughs> echoing one another um yeah so that's that's so cool um so shifting gears a little bit in terms of uh, if I can ask you um, some pieces about where you are in your postpartum year and et cetera, yeah. um, since, uh, since this is the, the book that I'm working on as well. Um, so is, is my count correct? Are you about halfway? Um, are you, is, is your daughter about six months old now? Or am I She's wrong? nine months old. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, my goodness. time's been playing. Yeah. <laughs> I <bet>. <laughs> <laughs> um can we just ask how you're doing? <laughs> How's it going? Yeah. It's been so interesting. I think so I had Hazel, I was almost thirty eight years old mm-hmm. and I had been trying to get pregnant off and on for eight years. Oh wow. And during that time, I had periods of time where I really wanted to have a kid. Mm-hmm. I had many periods of time where I felt ambivalent about it. Mm-hmm. And I had had many friends who had babies before me. And mm-hmm. so I had heard all of the challenges. You know, my friends are really open, which is beautiful. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, no one has sugar-coated. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Me. Those are good friends, yeah. Yeah, no one has sugarcoated it to the point that I expected it to basically be a nightmare, especially <laughs> yes, at first. Yeah. So I think because it's either like that or being older or maybe Hazel being on the, you know, quote, here I go with my quotes again, mm-hmm. uh, quote unquote, easier side. Mm-hmm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I only have one baby, so I don't know how easy or hard she is. Really. Sure. But yep. um, <laughs> and they say the first one ruins has, you. <laughs> right. <laughs> They trick you. It's been a little bit easier than I thought it would be, which is so funny because it's not what I was expecting at all. But sure. it's really been pretty delightful. And part of it is, I think my attitude going into pregnancy and birth was exactly what we've been talking about, mm-hmm. which is curiosity and yes. experimentation. So mm-hmm. my husband and I, if you can say you have a parenting philosophy after nine months, that's pretty ridiculous. But well, our our approach is we're just going to try things. And as long as they work, we'll keep doing them. And if they don't, then we'll change. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to mean anything about how good or bad we are as parents. Mm. And I went in my pregnancy, I was intending to... Um, deliver at a birth center mm-hmm. and at the end of my pregnancy my blood pressure got too high mm-hmm. and I had to deliver at a hospital and I ended up having a c-section mm-hmm. and people have been like 
oh my gosh, was it so terrible? Mm-hmm. You didn't do your plan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I did do my plan because <laughs> my big plan was to roll with whatever happened. Great. Mm-hmm. So I felt fine. I felt really good. I felt like we listened to what was needed in my body and went from there. And for me, I know this is not true for many people, but <clears throat> for me, having a C-section has been fine. Mm. It hasn't been too hard on my body or okay. anything. Okay, the recovery um, was okay, yeah. Yeah, my recovery was pretty smooth. Mm. Uh, breastfeeding was really hard, but I knew that it would be. So yeah. I yeah. had a breast reduction in 2001. Mm-hmm. So I had been told at the time that I might not be able to breastfeed. I went in assuming I would not be able to mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So I was able to a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to breastfeed her like a third to half of what she needed and we supplemented the rest. Okay. So for me, I know that if I had gone in thinking I would be able to breastfeed and then I'd only been able to breastfeed a little bit, I would have mm-hmm. found that really hard. Sure. But because my expectation was that I wouldn't be able to breastfeed at all, mm-hmm. the fact that I was able to a little bit, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm doing it. <laughs> Even though we had like the first six weeks where we were feeding her with the the bag and the straw. Oh the yes, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then she finally latched on, but she put I got scabs on my nipple. Oh. It was not easy in any way. It was, nope, it was pretty terrible that part. No, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It is. It took us a couple of months to kind of get into a groove that wasn't too painful for me and that yeah. for her. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's very, very cool that you're saying all this and being so open about it. Thank you. Um, yeah, of course. <clears throat> um, I, and I, I wonder, so I've sort of, I'm sort of curious um, that, you know, do you feel like your practices in yoga, you know, like you had so many years of yoga and your relationship mm-hmm. in that way um, sort of helped you it sort of sounds like have this curious um more sort of accepting stance or at least intention I'm sure even you know there are moments where you must go in and out of that right like they're always oh my gosh yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but I just sort of wonder about your your relationship to that um cultivating that for so many years before before she came along yeah I think it made a huge difference Mm -hmm. to come in with that approach which I always think about and of course I'm not unique in this but as a yoga mat as a place to experiment and learn Mm. so the reason that I love teaching yoga as a tool for body acceptance is because sometimes I think starting a body acceptance journey just can feel kind of obtuse like where do you start what does it mean I don't even know (laughs) and the yoga mat can give you this very discreet place and space and time to be asked things like we talked about earlier like what are you feeling here and you know as a teacher I always want to make space for the students who are in the place that I was in and still am in sometimes where you're like I have no idea what I'm feeling right now yeah um But just being able to start practicing that and seeing your body and your poses with that sense of experimentation and curiosity. Mm -hmm. So having that as my 
practice lab for now 20 years has really just infused into every part of my life Mm -hmm. where it's a little hard to tell the difference sometimes. Sure, (laughs) sure. And so that has definitely affected how I feel about pregnancy, birth, postpartum, parenting. Um, And that's both that kind of mindset piece that I was just talking about. Mm -hmm. And then also I feel definitely like my experience would have been different without all the time I've put into noticing sensation, being able to be more responsive to my body. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because of course, in the first few months after Hazel was born, like most new parents, I was exhausted and mm-hmm. sleep deprived mm-hmm. and not super tuned into my body most of the time, trying yeah. to just kind of keep everything going. But I would get these little glimpses and I knew when certain things were happening in my body, like, oh, I just need to name it that I'm feeling really sore because mm-hmm. we were co-sleeping and I was sleeping in this really uncomfortable position mm-hmm. for months. And I needed to do some yoga or else I was going to not be a good person. (laughs) (laughs) Not feeling good. (laughs) So just being able to a feel that stuff because I know I wouldn't have been able to in the past Mm. and then B B name it, C respond to it, I think has been really helpful. And Mm. that's not to make it sound like, Oh, that just, you know, rolls off my back. (laughs) Right. right, You know, I have to go through periods of, uh, suppressing how I'm feeling, ignoring it, yeah, yeah. Uh, the ins and outs, just like everybody else. Sure, sure. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, sort of you're, you're talking about your relationship um, of sort of postpartum body acceptance, um, again, both inside and out, like in, in mm-hmm. within your body and of your body too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. Um, what are some of the best things so far about this year? Mm. Just getting to know Hazel has been the best thing. Mm. And of course that's still unfolding, but mm-hmm. getting to see what makes her laugh mm-hmm. and what she's interested in and mm-hmm. us just getting to figure out together, my husband and I and her, um, what we're like as a family right now yeah. and how that is going to continue to grow. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Is there anything that you would feel comfortable sharing, like what the coolest thing about your baby is right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, right now she is crawling all over the place. Mm-hmm. She is pulling up to standing just last week. That's new. Uh-oh. And <laughs> she's, she's starting to say mama. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all the new things right now. It's really, I mean, always, but it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing um, that sort of like, I, you know, I used to say like, I just watched a neuron plug into a synapse. Like I watched that totally. happen. <laughs> I actually watched neurology just happen. That's crazy. And, and of course, again, we always are, but like to see it so clearly is uh, so remarkable. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, it, and is the breastfeeding the, the chart topper is the hardest thing or um, is it, there are things that have been more difficult than that? I think that's been the hardest. It was just, we had to go to the lactation consultant so many times. Oh, yeah. We tried it. 
we tried a million different positions, mm-hmm. different formula. I mean, it was just so many different things. Um, and it definitely, I had the biggest um, immediate postpartum meltdown around breastfeeding because oh. we had, we'd been in the hospital, came home. I think the next day, a lactation consultant came to the house and I had my milk had just come in. I was going to say, was your milk little... even in? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it had just come in, I think, the night before. Uh-huh. And so I pumped. I'd gotten, like, the tiniest little amount of milk, but I hadn't gotten any in the hospital. And so uh-huh. I was like, oh, I'm not going to get any. Yeah. So I was on cloud nine. I was like, ah, I have milk. I can't believe it. Yeah. And she was like, um, I mean, she said it in a supportive way, but yeah. basically what she said was that, we were barely feeding Hazel anything and we needed to feed her like way more. Oh. And so I was just like, I'm starving my baby. Yeah. Oh <laughs> That's all the buttons, right? That's all the oh buttons. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. I mean, I was just like sobbing. I felt terrible. My uh. husband was really upset and sad. Uh. So we just had to regroup. He was yeah. like, okay, I think we need to take a break. Yeah. Like he was like, you need to go take a shower and reset, and then let's come back and talk about it. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that really helped. We just kind of came back and we're like, okay, we just have to feed her more. That's okay. We it's okay. Yeah. And yeah. we'll just kind of move forward from here. But oh. I mean, of course, things like sleep and figuring things out like all oh, that's been hard but I would say breastfeeding is the hardest yeah it is so it's so difficult and I mean yeah. I hope that me- I feel like that message is so much more out there and I hope the podcast is getting yeah. that message out there and and the book will get the message out there yeah. um and you know like I've I've been very open and talking about uh, especially I've talked in the book that I feel very grateful to have witnessed a, a couple of women in my life very closely, namely my sister, who is like a complete badass with like the highest pain tolerance of anybody I know, like literally <laughs> has like ridden her bike as a child and realized like, oh wait, her part of her knee was fractured, like totally oh crazy <laughs> stuff. And I witnessed her try to to nurse and I was like, what the hell is this? She's my older sister. And I mean, like cases of mastitis and and it's just, it's really hard. And, um, you know, it's hard when you're, um, when you have support, right? Like even with that lactation consultant, like doing all the holds and, you know, try to, trying to gently say, but like, also, I'm sorry, but there's like no way to hear the information that you were given when you were like, that's also prime baby blues territory, right? Like that is when... I used to say like quite clearly like one of the day, the day that you were born you know like I don't say it to my daughter but like the day she was born was one of the best days of my life and the day we brought her home was one of the worst <laughs> because <laughs> where I was hormonally and oh and yeah. you know and she um she seemed like she was doing great but she got like a little little um jaundice because she wasn't really? getting enough milk you know yeah. And it's everything just is so scary so quickly with when right. they're so little like that. So, yeah. And you're trying so hard. And then someone's like, they don't say this, but you hear, yes, yes you're serving your baby. <laughs> yes. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> yes. And I do also feel like um, 
we're we're making some headway on the Fed is best front, but yeah. I do feel like there is still a lot of bias going on right now. Yeah. Um with definitely. with that is and that's that's a real challenge when you are in the hormonal wave and trying to, you know, and and feeling like I have milk and we're doing, you know, like this is so great and then oh wait, we have to supplement own oh, you know there's also i don't want right. to put my words on your story but like there's so many so many pieces moving there yeah i think i knew we would have to supplement and mm. that was helpful so yes. during the whole pregnancy i was able to wrap my mind around that mm. um but i and i knew that like i said i knew breastfeeding would be a challenge but mm. you can never really know nope. in what ways it's <laughs> going to be a challenge and when she was nursing and wasn't lasting right, I mean, that pain was really intense. It's crazy, right? <laughs> it's like, I would, like, make this face and just be like, ah, like a yes. And I was like, this is not working. <laughs> yes. No. No. I've told this. Oh my I've told this story. I did not miss that. <laughs> no. No, and you like if you don't have it right, and I, I, um, I, I actually sort of um, kick off the nursing chapter of my book with this story that my my daughter was three when my son was born, and um, so she witnessed all of it. And one day I'm looking over, and she's got her doll under her shirt, and <laughs> she's going, ow, oh, oh, ow, ah, ah. and I was like, oh, oh my, my god. god. Well, this is what nursing looks like to her because I would I would just cry. I would just cry and cry and cry because she because he would latch um he 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 latched fine for him, but it was on his hard palate and it was just like oh. hellacious. It was just so awful. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's yeah. not okay. No, no, it's not okay. <laughs> we cannot be ex- uh expected to muscle through that. Mm-mm. So, sorry for all the stories. This this hasn't been, no, this I shouldn't have been me, but uh, I do believe in the community of moms and, and the importance of yeah. normalizing um, these things and also saying we need support when we need support. Mm-hmm. I've been um, following your work for quite a while and admiring it for, for quite a while, which, which sounds like um, super creepy fans. Sounding, <laughs> no, it sounds really sweet. Thank you. <laughs> Um, but as a therapist, um, you know, I specialize in eating disorders and I have a great love of yoga, um, and to, to, to find those, those safe spaces, um, where I can, um, not just bring myself, but bring clients, um, is a really special thing. So, um, the work that you've done is, um, is a really special thing. So I really appreciate your work. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And thank you for what you're doing too, because we really need it. Oh, thank you. So that's it, moms. That's the last bite for today. But in case you're hungry for more, head on over to the Mama Bites website. That's M-O-M-M-A, Mama Bites website, and stream more of our podcasts. Or find them anywhere that you find your podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. And don't forget to stop by Instagram and definitely come on by our Facebook group, The Mama Bites Lunch Table. We'd love to have you there. And until we meet again next time, remember, motherhood is a long journey. Don't forget to pack some snacks.